proper introduction. I, I'm not going to do you justice. No, it's, it's but I'll fine. <laughs> what? Yeah, I feel... Okay, come on. Let's sit down, please. James Pierce. Thank you. <laughs> Who else can I pick on? Pat Bray. Please take your seat. His sheep Start hear calling. his voice. Philip Petrie, please take your seat. <laughs> okay, this is kind of fun. Mike, you got all the power up here. Here he comes, Philip. I got you. All right, so Brian Emmett is going to be our next um, speaker. Sounds so formal. I mean, you're such a core member of, of this group. So, um, Brian, I, I just um, cautioned him that I will do him injustice on an introduction um, because he's a very smart guy. And that's one thing about going to Harvard. I feel like that becomes your introduction forever. That's such like a, <laughs> that's such a bonus of going to Harvard is... It's Brian Emmett, and he went to Harvard, you know, so anyway, he's a, a really very smart guy and very um, insightful, and I've gotten the chance to get to know him better uh, from being on the planning committee, um, and he has the unique ability to take um, what appear, I want to say a simple concept and make it complicated, but that wouldn't be a compliment. <laughs> That's not what I want to say. Um, <laughs> Um, no, he's got the ability to uh, draw something out of you or something out of the conversation or see it from a different perspective that really makes you think and, um, and kind of navigate and force you to hear God's voice in the situation. So um, we're really blessed to have you, Brian. So Great. come on up. I'm here uh, this morning to disclose to you the mystery of how uh, ACM gets planned every year. So this uh, group of guys gets together. We've been meeting out at uh, uh, Kevin's uh, place. And it takes us about 50 hours of work to come up with the theme. And then we go home. It's an amazing meeting. It's great. <laughs> It's real rich. Uh, it's just I, I, I look forward to uh, that as much as anything I do in, in the calendar of the year because there's something about getting together and trying to say, okay, what's God really wanting to help us pay attention to? Um, so this year our theme um, is getting on with it, uh, finishing, uh, following closer, finishing well, as uh, Jamie and, and Thomas and Kevin have already been telling us. Um, I wanted to underline the fact that... Um, Let's get on with it. Um, those were Dow's last words. And, and so we, we wanted that in uh, this gathering just as a way of, of remembering uh, Dow. And, and that was his life. Uh, you know, I, I remember it seemed like every time I would talk with Dow about what I was thinking, he'd say something like, go with that or get going. Uh, yeah, write a book. Um <laughs> uh, and uh, my understanding is that, you know, Dow was getting ready to, to have the surgery uh, and get the, the pacemaker. And, uh, you know, just before they put him under, uh, he said, let's get on with it, a typical Dow. Same, is that right, Bill? I mean, I, do I have that? Okay. And um, so I just, I, I wanted to remind us about that. And um, also has already been uh, well explicated. Um, 
finishing well isn't just for old guys. Uh, this is not a theme uh, from a bunch of old men sort of saying, you know, looking wistfully back over, you know, 40, 50, 70, 80, 147 years and uh, hoping it works out okay. But, um, you know, we're all called to finish well. Uh, you, f- you finish well every day. You finish well every, you know, kind of task by task, season by season in life. So finishing well is not just, you know, way, way, way down the road at the, the end of, uh, of the journey or the end of the race, as it were. It's a daily, uh, a daily reality. Um, so I want to talk to you uh, today about something... Um, Fred Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers, um, said, the world wants you to believe that life is complicated but shallow. The truth is life is simple but deep. Isn't that good? We live in a world that's sort of all busy, all noise, but it's, you know, an inch deep. Life in God is, in one sense, simple, but it goes way, 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 way down. So as I've been thinking about what it means uh, to uh, to follow closer and uh, finish well, I want to talk to you about trees today. What does it mean for a tree to follow closer and finish well? I'm not suggesting that you consider this because this is the, the best way to think about it, it's just the way I got to thinking about it. So I trust that God's in that uh, for us. It, it's another angle on this idea of following closer and, and finishing well. Um, Bible, Bible has a lot of trees in it. Um, there's the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, the fig tree provided coverings for Adam and Eve following their sin. Uh, Noah built an ark out of gopher wood. Uh, the temple was built from cedar from Lebanon. Proverbs likens wisdom to a tree of life. Israel is often likened to a fig tree or uh, to an olive tree. Um, John the Baptist warned that uh, God's axe would be laid to the roots of every tree that doesn't bear fruit. Um, Jesus was hanged upon a tree. Scripture ends with the tree of life along the river that flows from the the throne of grace. And there's this tree which somehow is on both sides of the river and bearing fruit for the healing of the nations. So once you you think about it, there are trees showing up everywhere. So this is, um, because they're trees, there's not going to be any uh, video. Because a video of a tree isn't all that interesting. (laughs) And my, my main point is that uh, you and I are likened in Scripture to trees. That's one of the pictures that Scripture gives, uh, gives of us. If you think of Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the way of sinners, stand in the place of mockers, delights in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted that brings forth fruit season by season. Um, Psalm 92, let me just give us a couple of places where you are likened to a tree. Psalm 52 says this, um, 
I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. Appreciate the way Kevin uh, was reminding us about being, this isn't quite how Kevin put it, but it's, it's being rooted and grounded in the eternal things. Um, you know, there's the now and the new. One of the reactions against the now and the new is the tried and the true. And the eternal things are, are both. God's mercy is new every morning, and it's from ages to ages. So there's something about eternal things that's both new every morning and from before the dawn of time. Um, I'm like an olive tree planted, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. Um, Jude has an arresting uh, phrase. He talks about people who are like autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Autumn trees without fruit, uprooted, twice dead. So really what I want to ask is uh, what, does, um, what does following closer and finishing well look like for trees? And uh, I submit this all to, to Matt, so if I make any arboreal mistakes, Matt, you should come along and, uh, and, and correct that at the end, clean that up at the end. Um, this is a Van Gogh uh, painting. He sees trees differently, doesn't he? And that's part of what um, I think God wants to, to help us all with is you live out of your imagination more than you realize, pictures that you have in your, your, not just in your head, but the pictures that you have in your soul about yourself, about God, about life, about the world around you, that, that's really what you're living out of. Uh, we really do live out of our imagination in that sense. And so I, I love uh, some of these uh, Van Goghs because uh, he, he sees things in trees that, that I don't. <laughs> And uh, it's just good to, to have, you know, sort of a different, different picture in your mind. So following closer, that speaks to me of the idea of roots. Roots. If you think about uh, God's word like a seed. So when a seed gets planted in the ground, it does two things. It does this and it does this. One of my favorite uh, verses in, in Psalms is in Psalm 119, uh, where the psalmist says, um, To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Think about the command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a boundless command, isn't it? You don't ever come to the place where you say, Got that done. It, it does this boundlessly. And to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, it also has to be doing this boundlessly down into our souls. So I want you to think about your roots, that invisible part of the tree. 
How many of you have seen a tree uh, falling over after a storm? Big tree, small roots, right? And I realize, you know, a lot of the roots just get torn up. I'm not really being fair to the tree, but it is a picture for us. You know, you see this 60, 70-foot tree, and then the root ball, you know, it just seems like there's nothing there. And you say, of course it finally blew over. Because the roots, what's happening invisibly, as it were, in our lives determines what we see. Where your roots go, what your roots tap into, that's what happens above the ground. Whatever your roots are sucking up, that's what actually is going to happen uh, in, in, in the above ground part. So, if there's not much to me below the surface, there can't be much to me above the surface. And so I think following closer, I, what, what I want to say to us today is how can God help us really think about our roots? Where your roots are, think about what roots do underneath the earth. You know, they're just constantly like they're looking for water and they're looking for whatever nutrients the tree needs, and they're just digging, and it doesn't happen real fast. But whatever those roots tap into determines the whole tree. And the, the um, you know, you can't go wide if you don't go deep. Uh, a tree's root ball is typically about three times the size of the tree above the ground. Think about that for a minute. Whatever you see above, you know, the tree and its bowl of leaves and branches, if you were looking at that from a, a helicopter view, you know, the, the visible part of the tree above the ground would be that big, and then the root ball is about three, two to three times the size of that. So I want you to be thinking and, and, and talking with one another about, um, about your roots. And, and I want to... Um, Take a look in Isaiah 35. I want to talk uh, in, in this following closer part about the fear of the Lord. I uh, appreciated Dennis uh, mentioning uh, Eugene Peterson because I feel like almost, almost everything I know I, I learned from Eugene Peterson. I, I know that's probably not true. I've learned from many people, uh, many of whom are in here. But um, Peterson... Um, has a really helpful definition of what it means to fear the Lord. He says the Hebrew isn't like the English because in English when you hear fear of something, fear of snakes, fear of flying, uh, you move away from the thing you're afraid of, right? If, you're, if you fear snakes, you move away from snakes. Fear of the Lord is actually the opposite. You fear God by moving towards him, not away from him. Fear of the Lord means to move towards the, towards the Lord. And um, the, the phrases that, that Peterson uses is to fear God means to be attentive and receptive and responsive to the Lord. That's what it means to be to fear the Lord. And I think that's, for me, that, that, that picture of the roots, you know, kind of where, where's the water? Where's, where are the real nutrients? Where are, they, where are they? And I think actually we've all experienced if, if you picture me as a tree and, you know, God is the water of life, 
there are times and seasons where God actually lowers the water level. Why? Roots go down deeper. And many of you, I know probably every, every one of us has had that experience in some way of feeling like, you know, gosh, it all dried up on me. What's wrong? And nothing's wrong. He's just drawing you down <laughs> and spreading you out underground so that in every season, right, that's one of the pictures of the righteous bear fruit in every season, even in drought. And the only way you're able to do that is you've got this root system that's down deep. So here's what uh, Isaiah says. This is Isaiah uh, 33, uh, verses uh, 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Isn't that a great picture? Isaiah's talking about Zion. He's talking about Israel. But of course, Israel is a representative of the whole human race. So God's desire to see justice and shalom and righteousness and salvation and wisdom and knowledge permeating the whole created order And it's the fear of the Lord that's the key to that treasure. So how can we learn to practice being attentive to what God is doing? I appreciated Kevin's sort of, where are you going to go? The film clip from the movie, you know, where else can I go? And and trees, like, where's the tree going to go? God's planted you where he's planted you. Where are you going to go? And I think what happens is we're like, particularly when our circumstances change, when it feels like we're in a drought of some kind, what we do is our, our, our roots kind of just contract. We get discouraged. We get, uh, you know, God must hate me, whatever it is. And so we, you know, we, we, we turn inward which is the exact opposite of what we need to do because God's actually just lowered the water level. It's still there. And he just wants your roots to get down deeper and spread out wider. Because there's more happening that's invisible than you can see. And a lot... Most of the important things that have happened in my life, I didn't understand them at the time. You know, I was just stuck, you know, planted where God had planted me. And one of the, uh, one of the suggestions I'd like to make in terms of exploring the sphere of the Lord idea is um, it, it's, it's an ancient uh, practice, an ancient spiritual discipline called friendship I'm serious I I mean that what it means to be a spiritual friend to one another and I really hope we can practice that some We, we, we deliberately structured this time together with just a lot of unstructured time hopefully around meals um and it's great to you know catch up with one another and meet one another and you know 
folks we don't know so well, tell me a little bit about yourself so I can, you know, know you. Um, but I, I want to encourage us to, to do that and then ask the question, you know, what does God really have your attention on these days? What are you attending to? A lot of times the answer is, I don't know. I'm just trying to survive. You know, I'm just trying to you know, put one foot in front of the other. But if we can become the kind of friends who are with one another and just saying, yeah, that's great, but what's God really calling you to pay attention to? And I don't know, you know, and then you get the second response of whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's great, but where's God at work in your life? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, any of you ever need like four or five or six iterations of that before the Holy Spirit is resting on that conversation and you start to hear yourself saying things that you know, but you didn't know that you knew them until a friend sat alongside you and helped just draw that out of you. Does that make some sense? How, how, are, you, how are you attending to what Father is, is doing in your life? How are you receiving the nurture, the nourishment that he's actually providing for you? One of the things I love about Israel's uh, wilderness story is God prepositioned resources for them, didn't he? They're wandering through what, to them, looks like a, a vast, dangerous wilderness. And they're out of water. And where's the water? Well, it's in that rock. How do you know that? You don't know it till you get there, but the resource is there. God's pre-positioned resources. It's like you, as your roots are getting down there, there's, you know, there's this aquifer <laughs> that you had no idea was there. And all of a sudden, you know, those first little root hairs find it and then the whole tree is just like get down there get down there get deep so may God grace us to be spiritual friends to one another not just while we're together but let's take an opportunity while we're together to practice that coming alongside one another and yeah it's great to talk about sports and what's happening in the you know the nation and you know what This is the part where I get in trouble, you know, and say, can we turn off the tape and all that? But no, you don't need to turn off the tape. Um, In terms of what happens in our country, our opinions about what ought to happen just don't make a ton of difference. Now, I'm not saying that, therefore, we should not do anything or that, you know, life doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, the picture I heard Bob Mumford uh, give years ago that stuck with me is he said, you know, if you want to know how much uh, impact that kind of thing is making, stick your thumb in a bucket of water and pull out your thumb and measure the hole that your thumb leaves. That's how much impact. (laughs) So actually, um, you know, the discussions that I really enjoy about tax policy and politics and what's happening socially, I appreciate the way Jamie reminded us that it's easy to, to throw rocks at sinners. It's a target-rich environment. Uh, look to your left, look to your right. You're in a target, target-rich environment. Um, 
Yeah, Big Bird, you know, sort of what, what should happen to poor Big Bird. Uh, and you know what? That's great, and it's enjoyable, and it's thin and complicated, not simple and deep. So I'd really much rather come alongside you and have you come alongside me and say, like, what's God doing in your life? Where, where, where does Father have your attention about what he's saying and he's doing in your, the tree that is your life? That makes sense? So I just want to encourage us to do that, to practice that some. Not, not to the exclusion of just, you know, catching up and having fun talking about stuff, but <sighs> the treasure that you seek what your roots are looking for is the Lord himself, the fear of the Lord, being attentive, receptive, responsive to him, and helping one another learn how to do that. The primary challenge that we all face is distraction. We can't, we're, we're no longer able to pay attention to anything for longer than about five minutes. As soon as you get one of those smartphones, you can't sit without turning it on. And some of you are, you know, hiding it in your pocket right now. It's... Um, all right, I'm not going to chase that because... <laughs> and um, finishing well. Finishing well. Yeah, I have some pictures here. I, I got... You know, so this gives you the picture of how much bigger the root system is than, than the visible part of the tree. Uh, it's another way of sort of looking at that. There's more invisible than, than is visible in some ways. Uh, good roots, yeah, good roots. Oh. This is your life. Every year, faithfully, faithfully, year by year by year, God's laid another ring down. Faithfully, 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 year by year, the Holy Spirit's been at work forming Christ in you. What does you in Christ look like? Paul says we are God's workmanship and you're familiar, the, the word there is God's work of art, his masterpiece related to the word for poetry. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ. What do you look like in Christ? Can you, can you imagine that when Jesus gets done with you, we're going to be impressed? Can you imagine that? Can you look at the faces around you and just back off for a minute and say, wow, David in Christ, when, when Jesus is fully done with that masterwork, that's going to be pretty impressive. And the only one who understands what David in Christ looks like is Christ. David doesn't know. We don't know. 
We might see some parts of it that he's not aware of. But if you want to find out who you are, you have to know him better. If you want to understand who you are and what your life is for and what God's calling you to, you can't do any of that apart from those roots going deep and then year by year, God adds a ring. Some of those rings are thick because, you know, there's a lot of water and, you know, sometimes they they narrow down because, you know, the environment is tough. And you're probably familiar, there are, there are parts of some trees where there's just a big gash here, the tree got hit by lightning, there was a forest fire or something like that, and it's all in there. It's all part of that particular tree. We are Jack and the Beanstalk people. We want to buy the magic beans, right? We got the cow guy meets us on the way, says, hey, I'll give you these magic beans. And it turns out that the magic beans, in the story anyway, in the fairy tale, they work, right? Jack throws the beans out the window because he thinks they aren't worth anything. You know, the big thing grows up. He gets to climb up. He kills the giant, comes back down happily ever after. Everybody's rich. And we we really think that's the way it, it ought to happen. There should be magic beans. You know, the word of God is like a magic bean, and you can just kind of You know, chuck it out your back window, and the next day, there'll be this enormous beanstalk to glory. When God wants to pronounce a blessing on people, he says, in those days, uh, the days of my people will be like the days of a tree. How long does it take God to create a masterpiece? And is he in a hurry? takes a long time it's called your life and he's not in a hurry ever wish he were yeah but you know what you're not God and every year he lays down a ring lays down a ring lays down a ring and they're all good I don't know, after, you can do all the tree hugger jokes at the end, but uh, I, I just have come to love trees. The eternal things are what matters. The way of the cross is the way of life. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There's something, the, the cross is not an event in history. The cross is an event in history, but it's not solely an event in history. The cross is the revelation of the nature of God. What we see on the cross is somehow the evidence, the, the, the essence of God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and an eternal communion of love. Life comes out of death. The invisible determines the visible. You can't be a tree without allowing God to plant you into a specific plot of ground. Jesus said, unless a corn, you know, a wheat seed falls into the ground and dies. God's planted you where he's planted you. And you have to embrace that. You have to choose to fall into the earth that God has chosen for you. And yeah, he'll replant you from time to time. And this isn't primarily about location 
although location is more important than we think it is. Physical location, geography, is far more important than we think it is. We think you can live anywhere and it doesn't matter. But um, read scripture. All those places, you know, as you're following Israel and it says, this place is where God did this. And that's why we named this place Beersheba or whatever. So, so places matter. So whether you're thinking about place in terms of where God's planted you geographically, the place and the people, or just kind of more metaphorically, um, you've got to choose to fall into the earth. You've got to choose to bury yourself into something in order that you might bear much fruit. So where is God calling you in this season of your life to, to bury yourself? Isaiah 6, and I'm going to be wrapping up here. The start of Isaiah, we have uh, a vision. Isaiah 6, we only quote half of it. We break the chapter in uh, in half in a way that we probably shouldn't. So uh, Isaiah 6 is, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the seraphs were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, was and is, is to come. Isaiah's undone. The angel takes a coal from the altar, touches his lips. This has cleansed you. Then the Lord speaks and he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And that's generally where we stop. Okay, so this is the missionary when we're sending somebody off on a mission trip, you know, and we're great that they have responded, here I am, send me. But we don't usually follow the rest of the chapter and it's all one piece. Here's what God said. This is Isaiah 6, starting in verse 9. The Lord said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Any volunteers for this particular assignment? Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, Lord, how long is this to go on? Why would you send me on a ministry like this? And God says, until the cities lie ruined. And without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth, the tree, and the oak leave stumps when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Can we live in a way that we end up as stumps in which it's the holy seed? Because even when all that's left of you is a stump, there's more under the ground going on than people see. Looks like a stump, 
but there's still something in that stump that's alive. And then interestingly, at the end of um, Isaiah, towards the end, this is uh, Isaiah 61, and it's the familiar passage that Jesus quotes um, at Nazareth as he begins his ministry, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Lord has anointed me. Um, and picking up uh, in verse 3. Um, so to proclaim the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So everything that was happening in Isaiah 6 is now being undone. It's being reversed. You know, in Isaiah 6, it's keep going until the land is emptied, the cities are desolate, all the trees are cut down, and even after all the trees are cut down, we're going to send people in, they're going to cut everything down again. But now it's oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. It looked like all there was left was stumps. But there's something in the stump and under the stump that when God speaks to it, the land is renewed. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They, these oaks, they will rebuild, they will restore. They will renew all that's been devastated for generations. So, following closer, roots going deeper, finishing well, living day by day in a way that there's life underneath the surface. And even when it looks like lightning strikes the tree or a forest fire sweeps through or guys come and cut it down, there's actually a rich, rich deposit of the life and grace of God waiting to come up into flower for a new generation. Let's pray. Father, help us to, it's a funny picture, help us to see our roots. Lord, we all, um, our, our root systems seek comfort, seek nourishment um, in all kinds of places. Lord, but we pray that, uh, I pray for true roots for us, Lord, that um, as, as our roots are down there in the dirt, that we discern the difference between the real water and the real nutrients and all the fake stuff that's down there. Lord, help us to get rooted in what's real. Help us to be rooted in what's eternal. Lord, help us to live in the fear of the Lord. Help us to unlock the treasure that's all around us in your providence. 
And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.